As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today, it's my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? We're doing this show live in person, but I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to feel like we're still doing it remotely and from our offices because you are wearing an outfit right now that's going to make me laugh even more than usual. But I am doing fantastic, Robert. It's great to be here. Feeling super, actually. I'm feeling okay. <laughs> and the reason I'm not feeling super, for those of you watching on YouTube, I am wearing a hot dog suit, the exact hot dog suit that Tim Robinson wore, and I think you should leave. Perfect. And if we're trying to find out the guy who did this, the guy who did this to me is some combination of Brandon Staley, uh-huh. the Jaguars running game yep. and drops problem, Joe Burrow's ankle, yep. and about three other things. This yep. is the payoff for our wins league bet which we kept a secret all year because we wanted it to be a surprise for people. And I think strategically we made the right decision. I think it, that the reveal was perfect. It was kind of one of those things I forgot about. I even asked you guys, what was the best? Oh, that's right. That's beautiful. Yeah, let's not share that. That's awesome. I also think it's it's kind of going into the season, I was like, okay, yeah, this feels 50-50 because, like, who are the teams you took? I wanted to take the Bills, you know, some of those things. Uh, I was I'm thrilled like, when I got the Bills right oh. Thrilled. And even the other teams. I don't talk too much crap about it all, it's, even though I did have the 49ers and Chiefs, is that I also had the Falcons, which was kind of like, so I was like, ah, eh, I don't get too ahead of myself when I talk about this wins, but I will take it. All matters is 1-0. At the end of all this, that's all that matters. I know, and I'm pretty bummed about it, but it's fine. The credential, the, the credential on is yeah, right the now. credential on is really right good. Right before we started, yeah. I looked and I saw the credential, and that killed me as it was around. Remember, uh, I had to wear the the dog mask. Yes, and I had the headphones on the dog mask, and it was like, yeah. So I can actually relate a little bit. It, last night, I was not that worried about it because I had worn the suit at home, and I was like, okay, it's fine. You know, it's slightly embarrassing, but it's not that bad. And then when I walked into Radio Row and I heard the amount of people that were in this room, I immediately got pretty embarrassed. And they weren't even reacting to you yet. No. And then they were. No, and no. then they were reacting to me, yes. <laughs> so I, it's fine. I'm, I'm willing to live with this. I totally deserve it. I, we said it in the moment. The moment that I picked the Chargers, I was going to die how I lived. Yep. And that's exactly when it ended that's up happening. How you that's how you should go. You know? It's just like Dan Campbell. You go for it on fourth down. That's you with the Chargers. It was fourth down with the Chargers. Yeah, yep, going for it. Actually, that might fits for Staley, too, actually, in a way. The, well, that's, Staley didn't stick to his guns, <laughs> and that's why he's it, yeah. in the place that he's in. The other part that I thought was worth mentioning is that 
I put it in my suitcase. Oh, I yeah. took it out when I got here, and it was a little wrinkled. So I had them dry clean it at the hotel. I, I had them dry why. clean my hot dog suit. They, when I gave it to them, they were like, I don't know what we're going to do with this. And I was like, just press it. Like, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. It's a perfect the crease the amount of texts back and forth with me and the hotel concierge about this hot dog suit being returned to me, I never want to think about it again. this. I know, and whatever that. I, I take this seriously. I know you did. I appreciate that. And just, the, I know I'm looking at the wrinkles right now. Just even the uh, the <laughs> the artificial material that this is that you do not find that is not man-made. Or no, it's my man. I'm not, not going to talk God, about how much this say. costs because it is a frighteningly small amount of money. Though the, what this suit actually yeah. costs, and I can tell by how hot I am in oh, this material geez. exactly what sort of quality we're talking we about. We might here. have. Yeah, you, everyone's going to think you're going to be a cheese fan on Sunday. You're going to be like, no, it's a rash for my hot dog suit that I wore on Thursday. Speaking of Sunday, we are here. The reason we're actually here is to do our Super Bowl preview. Yes. Which is one of my favorite shows that we do every single year, just digging deep into the biggest game of the season. And there's plenty that we're going to talk about schematically X's and O's, what's going to happen on both sides of the ball, the players we should watch. We're going to do some prop bets a little bit later. But before we do that, I, I just want to take a step back and just talk about how we arrived here and just set up this matchup and what it means. And these are two teams that I think have taken pretty different routes to this moment. The Chiefs were the preseason Super Bowl favorite, but that's because they won the Super Bowl last year. Pretty quickly, I think there was a lot of doubt cast on how far this Chiefs team could go and whether or not this was just going to be a down year yeah. in the mosaic of what Patrick Mahomes' career ended up looking like. The Niners never felt like that. From day one, from the moment they beat the pants off the Steelers in week one, they strung together all of these hyper-impressive wins. Yeah. Think about what they did to Dallas in the first month of the season. They destroyed the Eagles. Mm -hmm. This team felt like they were always supposed to get here. The moment that it was clear that Brock Purdy within this offense could still create not only an elite offense, mm -hmm. but a potentially historically great offense, right. it felt like they were on a fast track to arrive here in a way that the Chiefs were not. Right, and it, even when they were both winning games, it felt like the Chiefs were squeaking by. Yeah, it, and, felt hard. Yes, it felt hard. It felt all hard all year. And the Niners were just cruising. And that was even the losses that they had. It wasn't that the offense in particular did anything real different. It was just they got punished for the one few, few mistakes that Purdy would have. It wasn't like the offense was getting stalled or the offense slowed down. Well, some step, well, it sure really we didn't. I rewatched the Ravens game this morning because I, I wanted to go back and watch it. And I was surprised at how efficiently they moved yes. the ball and some of the Explosives. ideas that they trotted out that I think are going to be relevant to oh, this game. Will. There was no game this year where a team really got on them. The Browns game may be the best example, but it's in the rain. We know the Purdy in the rain stuff seems Debo to be very hurt, real. Debo got, got hurt. hurt. Uh, I think Trent Williams also got hurt I at some point during yep, that yep, game. Yep. And even in the Bengals game, they moved the ball really efficiently against Cincinnati. It was just those couple turnovers. I mean, the only real games where they got slowed down or they had some issues, maybe Minnesota for some stretches, yep. but they still moved the ball well. Yep. So this team always felt like it was kind of on its way to getting here. The Chiefs did not. <laughs> And if you look at the way the Chiefs have played in the playoffs, I think a lot of people would, like, how can you turn it on? Like, is this really different? Are we going to believe the two, three playoff games that we just watched, or are we going to believe some of the issues that the Chiefs had over the course of the regular season? And in talking to people around the Chiefs this week, it really does seem like they slow played the season it's a real. little bit. Just watch Kelsey. Yes, and Kelsey is the best example. Best example. So <laughs> I think that there were two things. I think that Kansas City understood they weren't going to be able to get back to this point without a fully healthy, ready-to-go Travis Kelsey. Yeah. And there was no reason in October 
to have 10 of the first 15 plays have him as the first read, where he's just getting 200 targets over the course of the year. That wasn't the priority. No. It was getting back to this moment. And I think the same thing was true with figuring out the dispersal of targets across the receiving core. Yeah. It's like, why would we consolidate this when what's most important is figuring out what we have and what we're good at? So it really does seem like the first 12, 15 weeks of the year were a training ground for figuring out what type of team they wanted to be when they got to this point. Which is unreal that you can do that. That you can do that in the NFL. But they did. When you have Mahomes, when you have a lot of returning characters like we always talk about, and still have the same play caller, still have the same number one weapon. No, but that makes a lot of sense, and we'll probably talk about it later in the show, too, because there's some stats that are relevant to it. But it did always feel like, all right, why are you guys just giving force-feeding these touches to the receivers? You have to have that faith that's going to pay dividends down the road. It did, for, in particular, for one player, Rasheed yes. Rice, who we're probably going to talk about a ton on this show. But that's hard. When it, it when it's week to week, the NFL is so week to week. We do these shows Sunday nights. And, I mean, I, there's times I'm like, yeah, the Chiefs will figure it out. The Chiefs will figure it out. Okay, guys. Hey, it was, hard, I, it was I, harder I and harder God, to convince I yourself guys, that. The Chiefs will figure it out. Uh, yeah, I'm picking them over the Ravens. Chiefs, uh, I was like, but even me, I was like, oh, Wavering, yeah, Ravens got them. And then once they started the playoffs, then you see that, oh, yeah, there they are. There's the run game coming along. Even that, that was porous. The line played so much better. So much in, better. In the, back, in the last few games and then into the playoffs. And, so much better. And then you got the defense that's been fantastic this yep. year and one of the most, in, most entertaining units to watch on top of being a good, very good unit. They've stepped it up. They carried him through a lot of games. They still have Mahomes, but it's just interesting that this team, it's just exciting, I guess, that this team is so good and has this type of talent, has these types of ideas, and has this type of vision, really, short, mid, and long-term vision to do these types of things, even in one season. The Niners are minus two right now, yep. okay? The moment that I would say was hardest to believe in the Chiefs and hardest to look yourself in the mirror and say the Chiefs are going to figure it out was Christmas Day against the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah, the yep. moment yep. where it got toughest. Yep. If I had asked you at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on Christmas Day, so after the Chiefs played the Raiders and before the Ravens played the Niners, and I told you these teams are going to be playing in the Super Bowl, what's the spread? What would you have said? Oh, I'd be like Niners... Maybe my six, you know, give or yeah. take. Yeah, I would say creeping up toward a touchdown. Yeah, and now when it opened at Niners minus two, people were like, "Oh, really? Yeah. The Niners are favored in this game." You're, That's how far things have Patrick come. Patrick Mahomes is an underdog. That's <laughs> how much things have changed in. It's been like a month and a half yep. less. Yep. That's how quickly it happened. But I, I understand it. Like I when you too. think about where these teams are, the difference in their trajectories, and how different the last three weeks have felt, it really does feel like we're getting the best version of this Chiefs yep. team, and we're getting a Niners team that, in a lot of ways, does not feel like the juggernaut they were for long yep. stretches of the season. And even the playoffs, the offense the, for the 49ers still had answers, even if they had stall moments. You know, Perry got punished with some stuff, and then also just defenses are going to bring it like they're yeah. gonna, it's the playoffs they're going to have to some stuff so there were some slowish moments sluggish moments the offense is going to figure it out when again we'll get more into it it just always felt that that 49ers defense felt like it can get after like yeah. the offenses can have a plan of attack and not just hope it works i'm like oh all right we got two chances at this it's like oh we made a mistake and we still got 12 yards or oh we were late to this and we still got seven yards and that's to me has felt the difference of this 49ers team that I think we even going into the year, even through stretches this year, that Cowboys game is the number one example where both sides of the ball, the 49ers were just dominating. And after the bye week trade with Chase Young and or the trade deadline trade and all that, it felt like, okay, here they come. And they just it never had that click where they're no. just that true supernova team on both sides. It's still a solid unit, great against the pass, but does have blemishes. And when you're stacking up the four units, apologies to special teams, but the four main units, it's that 
that's probably the weakest of these four, but the other three are so freaking strong, which is so cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I was talking to Matt Barrows this week, and, and who covers the Niners for us here at The Athletic, yep. and he wrote a piece last week about just the kind of the panic that's going on about the defense and where they're at coming into this game. And the number that he threw out that even when you see it, it's kind of like, holy shit, they're 22nd in EPA per play since week 11. 22nd. And that was after they made the good changes. Th yes. So it, this is a team that's been below average on that side of the ball, according to most metrics down the back half of the season. And that's going to matter. So be again, before we dig into some of those specifics, I, I wanted to ask you as we look back at these seasons for both teams, when you think about the 2023 Chiefs and the 2023 Niners, what are you going to remember most from these seasons. Let's start with San Francisco. Okay, for now, I mean, I think this is it was really your rant, and maybe this has just been in my head. So <laughs> it's Shanahan's back Mopus. Like yeah. this is this is it on offense. This is the, his vision, and we talk everything about Purdy and what he fits and what he does. But this is what Shanahan wants out of his quarterback: the guy that drives the car perfectly and can do that little bit of creation to put it over the top. And but just looking at the weapons, the versatility of the weapons. That's what Shanahan wants. The positionalist has almost become like a slur. <laughs> if we have a term that people just throw around, people hate it, all this. But this is what he's They doing. actually do. They do, actually did, do. They it. actually pulled it off. Look where Kyle Yushek has lined up every player, Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey or even Ayuk and all these guys, even Kittle. All those guys are so interchangeable because they have just their football players, and but they're explosive and they're dynamic. And that's to me when I watch this Foreign Irish team, it's like, oh, this is what Shanahan wants out of his offense. This yeah. is kind of his vision of all these other versions we've seen of his offense. This is it right now. There were stretches, and that's one thing that I will remember is how overwhelming they felt at times, yes. where it was this perfect confluence of all of this offensive talent and a play caller, one of the best play callers, in my opinion, that we've ever seen, yep. really operating at the peak of his powers. And yep. when they really felt like that dominant force, it, everything was coming together at the right time. How about the week after they lose to the Ravens, what happened? Then they just blow the doors off the commanders. And we still don't talk about it. No one talks about it. No one even acknowledges it. That's what they can do. They're supposed to be down. Oh, man, they might have a trap game the next week. It's like, they were never down that far. No. They were never down that far, especially on offense. But when you think about how dominant they felt, all of the talent, the, the thing I will remember from this season, and this is probably just my brain being poisoned by being on the internet too much, is the Purdy discourse. Yeah. It just, it's hard to ignore. And yeah. I'm not even going to stake a claim as to where I sit in that. That's not what really matters here, but all of the back and forth about what he is. Is he getting enough credit? Is he not getting enough credit? Why do people hate him? Why do people feel the need to kind of prop him up in this way? That's what I'll remember outside of how dominant the skill yeah. position players felt at times because it felt like it took up so much space and so much oxygen in the football discourse the entire season. I think maybe I stayed above those dark clouds. You did was, a great it, job. It was fun. You did it a great, great job. I know. I didn't stress myself out with it. Brock Nostic was the way to go. I, I really like it. And uh, But, yeah, no, that's going to be something. I think also, too, it's a it's a great litmus test for how you consume the game. Yes. And a great uh, a great reflection of that. And I think, and when we, like you said, we're very online. We're very much in that football Twitter sphere and everything. And I think this is one of those where it's like, oh, remember the Purdy debates? And there's always those. Like, oh, you remember that? And when you're a seasoned vet of those, the season – <laughs> All those things happen. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, well, I remember that from four years ago. Let's never do that again, but it's sure it'll happen again. Well, but it's I, like, but I, it's not going to get any better, my friend, no, depending on not. how this Especially game ends up going. Ends. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. How about Kansas City? What, oh. about, what about the 2023 Chiefs will stick with you as you think about this team two, three, four, five years from now? Uh, two things. Steve Spagnuolo and yeah. the Chiefs defense. That's it. It's one of the – he's always done interesting stuff and has always been aggressive and – Sometimes it was because he needed to, because they had nothing. And now he has talent, and you can tell Steve Spagnuolo, the defense coordinator, is just having fun. 
like as far as what he designed every week, everything. It was it was a treat to watch what he threw out at defense or offenses. Some really good offenses too, and really controlled games. There were so many times the Chiefs defense over the last few years would make a big play, but then it was like they just got run on the next two drives, and then oh, it's a tied game again. Go go do something, Patrick. And speaking of that, the other thing is Mahomes and Mahomes hard carrying this offense for 17 games. 16 because he didn't play the last week but yeah the whole year and that is what's going to stick out to me is just that watching him it might not have the metrics and the numbers that he has but he's still top five and everything or top four but then watching him and just like every third down is him truly doing something to make that play work uh how many times he was nickel and diamond watching him against the ravens last week in the first two quarters where it's just boom 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 singles and doubles everywhere that's why I remember Mahomes. Mahomes, this version of him, the pre-snap intelligence that he's showing, everything. It's Mahomes becoming the complete quarterback that everyone's going to talk about. For yeah, the idea that he, even if he's not the MVP and even if the numbers are down, he's probably the best he's ever been when ever. you consider some of the mental stuff, which we're going to get oh, yeah, into. Yeah, we- <laughs> and the, the defense for me is the other one. It's And it, w- combined with Mahomes, I'm going to remember just those nightmarish moments yeah. the Kadarius Tony stuff the drops the all drops. the penalties just how disjointed they felt on offense for such huge chunks of this year and the fact that none of it fucking matters it. anymore <laughs> the God. fact that none of it matters it is totally irrelevant now as they've gotten to this it's, moment is insane and then like it's one of those where a few years later you just look at the record and the Super Bowl final or whatever yeah. and you're just like oh yeah 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 it's just another one of those years and it's like but in the moment though they did not feel <laughs> that there was some tumultuous weeks on those Sunday night shows I got some good reference this week this year too <laughs> off of Chiefs game so thank you for that as well the defense I'm, I'm with you on yeah. the defense and the game that I think sticks with me the most and maybe it's just because it was an island game it was at the right point in the season when they played the Dolphins in Germany and it, you watch the plan they had against Miami and some of the simulated pressure stuff yeah. they were doing on early downs and that was the game and you tweeted out a fun clip of this just two minutes of the DBs tackling That's from it. this season that game you, it, everybody was in it. There was a Chamari Connor tackle in space. Yep. There was a Justin Reed tackle in space. There was a Trent McDuffie tackle in space. And watching that group specifically, the DBs kind of become the personality yep. of this defense yep. and really kind of just take everything to a different level because they embodied what this unit felt like overall. That game is what I'll kind of hone in on when I think about that. That's it. They, they are... They are the ones that the, you identify this Chiefs defense, just like we were saying. You talk about any good unit. It's like, oh, yeah, the four, even the 49ers defense. You go, oh, it's their pass rush. Yeah. Defense, maybe Fred Warner and everything like that. Oh, the Chiefs offense. Oh, it's Mahomes, Kelsey. Okay, that's that. But this defense and every single guy, and that's why I thought even doing that cut-up was fun. It was like every guy was making a play. Yeah. There's Reed making three plays. But then, like you said, it's a guy making a play on the run. It's fundamentals. Everything we talk about Spags and everything, too, is always aggressive. He's crazy. He's chaotic. But it's like this is just fundamental, good fundamental football. And it starts with the DBs, who are usually considered not the fundamental guys, as they're playing this chaotic world. It's, it's really impressive to watch. It really is. One of the things I think we, when we look back on this run overall, this, this Chiefs run when it's all said and done, the importance of hiring Spags and just this kind of how he solidified everything yeah. on that side of the ball, but how well they've coached defensive backs yeah. and what they've gotten out of those positions specifically is wild. Seventh uh, rounders. Traverius Ward was on this team. Yep. Now he's the best corner on the Diners and is a Pro Bowl level player. Yeah. Legereus Sneed might be on the move in free agency just because he's going to get paid a shitload of money, and I have faith in their ability to find somebody to 
seventh Step rounders. Step in there. I know. It's just every – last year they were playing like three or four rookies just in a DB room, and they are playing well. Yeah. That's why – and really, looking back, it, was, it should have just gone like, hey, yeah, this defense might be really good. They looked really good, and they're all coming back. It's like, yeah, really, we should commit to this. But that's what it was is these young guys are coached well. And, again, I want to emphasize this, and you'll watch it anytime you watch this uh, uh, Chiefs defense, is how when you live in this blitz-happy – move everybody around, it's hard to be on the same page. It's easy for maybe Justin Reed, but a second-year player, second-year player, rookie, second-year, those guys are all on, all working in unison no matter what the look is. It's massive. So it's cool. unbelievably impressive. It is. Unbelievably. And here we go. Who do you think has the most at stake on Sunday? If you're looking at every Ooh. single player, coach, person involved in this game, who has the most riding on Sunday's result? Sadly, Phil's pretty easy. It's Kyle Shanahan. I think it's absolutely Kyle Shanahan. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is his legacy. I was hoping you were going to say somebody different, but I, I, I think it's pretty clearly Kyle Shanahan. Because Purdy, even like a guy like Brock Purdy, he loses. Like, yeah, it's year two yeah, and all this yeah. stuff like that. But no, it's, And if he wins, you know, if he wins maybe, maybe Brock Purdy kind of enters a different era, yeah. but I still feel like the conversation around Shanahan, there's is, just more on the line. Oh, yeah. Especially because the way those losses happened before. <laughs> the Falcons OC lost. Why'd you throw the ball on that play? And then also losing to this Chiefs team a few years ago after they had a lead and an easy lead. 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. And that's he's the head guy. He's the play caller. He is maybe for some older folk uh, a controversial figure because he's a young wunderkind. Yeah. But no, but it's now we're all like, yeah, he's great, he's great, he's great. This kind of, in the public consensus, is what puts you over the top. I mean, Andy Reid hasn't been talked about Andy Reid until he won one. It's the same exact type of thing. And that, that's the comparison I would make. Yeah. So four years ago when they played in this game, and I was in there in Miami. I, I was covering it, and I wrote after the game. I wrote about Kyle Shanahan. I always write about the loser. I, I don't know why I'm just more interested in the loser of a Super Bowl than the winner. I think that says a lot about my personality and just like who I am as a human being. The chase is more fun. I just and and the disappointment when you don't get yeah. there. It to me has always been so intriguing. As a professional wrestling fan, the chase for the belt is like the most fun thing. Any anybody, any yeah, athlete, like the new contender, yes. and like whether yeah you get there, or whether you don't. And I I wrote about the 28 to three game when it happened. I was in that Falcons locker room, yeah. so I've had a lot of proximity to. Kyle Shanahan's playoff failings over the last five years. <laughs> and after that game against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I wrote that he's just Andy Reid now. He, that you are now in this class of coaches that is revolutionary schematically. You've helped redefine the game. Think about the impact that Kyle Shanahan has had on the way modern football yeah. looks and feels. Yeah. He is arguably the most influential figure in dictating the way the sport is and has been over the last five years. He will go down as one of the greatest offensive coaches of all time. But is he going to be Don Coryell or is he going to be Bill Walsh? Right. And he, right now, without that championship and without that trophy, you have doomed yourself to that class of guys who were fun and interesting and were always on the cutting edge but didn't get it done when it counted. Yep. And if you win one, it changes everything. Sure. It changes everything about the way that you are discussed, the, the class that you're in, the company you keep among those coaches. So I think it's clearly Kyle Shanahan, and I don't really think it's close. Yeah, and the, just the noises won't go away. It'll be even worse than ever, no matter what he does in regular season. Say, oh, this offense doesn't work in the playoffs. That'll like, be the line, even though they make the final fours every year, final four every single year. Uh, no, it's the I love that you say Coriel because that's that's what would happen. It's then there's only that's the two families of offenses are Bill Walsh. Coriel. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take Coriel to make the Hall of Fame? 
how long it took Bill Walsh to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, way different. <laughs> way different trajectories, and that's because one was known as the winner and one's known as the interesting offensive guy. It's how it goes. Don Nelson in the NBA. That's another one. Yep, uh, it's, it's a very great interesting. Mike, yep. Mike uh, D'Antoni. Uh, but, uh, but same with just another one right there is those guys are known as innovators, all this, but because they can't get over the top, then it's just, ah, I can't shoot threes in the playoffs. They're going to say you can't be a play-action team in the playoffs. That's exactly what people are going to say. And th I don't think this is a creation of our own. Reading the Seth Wickersham no. story this week, and he let it off with an anecdote about Kyle running into Sean McVay at the owners' meetings in Orlando right after Sean had won the Super Bowl. And apparently they hadn't spoken in like the three months or the two months since that game had happened. Really? And Kyle pretty much was like, it sucks that you won. Like, it, it sucks that you won. I think this is deeply important to him in a way that is not overblown in how we're talking about it right now. I mean, the throwing at the 28-3 game, uh, he's talked about how many sleepless nights he's had yeah. about it. He's like, that's the play I regret, all those types of things. Yeah, they, you remember the losses more. It's, it's the Mike McD thing again. And But the thing is, sometimes you get to overcome that, like McVay did, because that was going to be McVay. If they lost in that Super Bowl against the Bengals, he would have gone on the same trajectory because yep. of the one against the Patriots and then that. That's what happens. You have to win. Even if we, me and you, others, appreciate what you do, you know, when the history when the history books are written, they're going to look at the accolades at the end, not the cool point stats or the cool innovation stuff. That you what do. I think is so cruel about this, though, is that he may lose this game by no fault of his own. Right. Because this is what's going to potentially happen now, the same way that it happened for 15 years with the Patriots. There are going to be so many figures over the course of this Chiefs run that are going to be chewed up and spit out by history because they came along at the wrong time mm -hmm. and had to go against the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. Look back at 2000 through 2015 football, 2018 football, when the Patriots won the last Super Bowl, and think about how different it would be if the Patriots never existed. Right. Think about who Phillip Rivers would be. Think about who Peyton Manning would be. Think about who Matt Ryan would be. And there is a chance that Kyle Shanahan just becomes one of those guys. And these Niners teams, the two that we've seen get to the Super Bowl, just become two of those teams that just came along at the wrong time and had to play against the wrong set of guys in the biggest moment, and we just it falls through your fingers. Yeah. It's not that hard to imagine. No, it's not. And it falls cruel, isn't it? <laughs> Especially when you get to these types of games. <laughs> the other thing, that, the last thing I would say about this and why I think it's important, if they lose this game, and you see some of the issues on defense. It's like, oh man, they had a hole here, they had a hole there. The conversation will start about the Trey Lance trade. Yeah. Because yeah. we haven't yeah. had to have the that resources. discussion no. yet. No. They have been so good and they have done such a good job that they had one they pulled off or were involved in one of the worst trades in the history of the league. And we don't talk about it at all. But if they fall short, and you see some of the issues with how the roster is built. You're like, oh, man, they could have used another edge rusher. They could have used another corner. If Amber Thomas has a rough day, if the pass rush doesn't have the type of juice that we've seen, if Chase Young doesn't play well, wouldn't it have been nice to have two first-round picks that you could have well, put in those spots? All those other guys you mentioned, like Chase Young, CMC, all the trades they have made, that will also be part of it, too. Because yeah. if those guys win or if the Super Bowl MVP, like CMC blows up, then you go, man, that's it. Yeah. They pushed it over the top. But if they good lose, for them. Good, good the, for them. The, they the aggression just paid the, off. Just the Rams debate from yep. a few years ago is the same thing. But if they don't, then it just goes, see, that's why you got built through the draft. Can't pay for expensive stars. You can't trade for them. But that, that's just how it goes. And it's going to be hard to retain this. It, it, oh, it's yeah. going to get very expensive. Bosa's cap hit is still relatively low into next year. Like, they can still pull yeah. it off. But it's not going to get easier. No, there is a very raised. real chance yep. that this is their best shot yeah. to do it this year against what was supposed to be a down Chiefs team. That won a division. One eleven games, right? Yeah. 
other Mahomes other guys in this discussion, like Andy Reid, I think is big. Like if Andy Reid gets yeah. three Super Bowls, I then think he's that in he, he's in a new realm. Mahomes, there's really nothing left to say. No, like he's already in the best six-year run of all time. Yeah. If he does it again, I think that it's just kind of a cherry on Kelsey top. Kelsey could have a, uh, a pro- oh, all-time moment. Like if but he already he's already first ballot own, Hall of Famer. Know, so it's the only guy won. I thought that okay maybe this changes it a little bit yeah. because his status is still relatively new is Trent Williams. Okay. Because I think Trent Williams is three years in Los Angeles or in three years in San Francisco have solidified him yeah. as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So I don't even know if this really matters as much as it would have two years ago. I would say maybe some defend uh, some defensive players on both sides is like they could leap into stardom yeah. off a game like this. Yes. You know, like yeah. you know, into the public consensus. Like so you just pick a name there. Even a guy like Fred Warner who was like football nerds and people watch, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. But say he picks off Mahomes. Yeah. Say he has that My mom will then learn who Fred, Fred Warner, Warner is. They yeah. go, Man, that Fred Warner guy's the best yeah. linebacker, yeah. huh? Like yeah, yeah. that's that's how the kind of discussion goes. So even on the Chiefs side, any of those guys step up. Chris Jones, again, defensive player of the year type player. But, again, they become a different name if they have – I mean, he could have won Super Bowl MVP last time. Yeah, he could have. He probably should have. <laughs> but if he honestly. has that performance again, then it's like, oh, oh, this guy again. That's right. It's just how it kind of works. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's dig into this. Yeah. Let's start with the Niners' <laughs> offense against the Chiefs' defense. To you, the biggest question that you have about that side of the ball. How are the Chiefs going to play the 49ers when they are in 21 personnel? Because I think they will be in 21 personnel a lot of the game. Almost all of the game, I might think, because naturally, Steve Spagnuolo is an aggressive, what's happy defensive coordinator. And when you face a guy like that, you want to make it basic. And by how making it basic is bigger bodies. Yeah. So that is what I'm looking at, and when I looked at maybe how the Chiefs are going to do this, this is what this Chiefs defense has been and where you see the creativity of Spags, not just with blitzes, is how he uses his personnel. And the main guy I would say with that is like a Leo Chanel, who is going to become one of my X factors of this game, but we'll spoil it. But they will get into 4-3 base defense, four defensive linemen, three traditional linebackers, four DBs, but they will get into five different fronts out of that. And what, why that matters is they will look at a 4-3, and when you go against a 4-3 as an offense, I know this run works, this run works, this run works, this run's going to be crap, this one might be okay, this pass is better, this angle's better. It, but then the Chiefs can show 4-3, rotate Chanel down to basically a defensive tackle, kick the nose over to a nose, like head up on the center, and create a 3-4 barrel look where the center and the guards are covered. And, why, and it's like, oh, it's just a different look. Again, it changes the attack angles and the attack plan for the offense. And going against an offense that wants to be dictate everything and wants to see what you're in and they get in and get into the perfect play this is a way that they can counteract that 
they go, okay, you make your kill, you make your check. We're going to totally change the defensive front, not even just the rotation of the safety. So that number one thing to me is just how you stop this explosive offense, how you slow them down, and I think the fronts and their use of base personnel is going to be one of the things that they start with. Uh, it's a huge question, and yeah. if you look at the way that teams have played against the Niners recently, the Lions are actually built in a very similar way as the Chiefs are. If you look at the linebacking core specifically, yeah. the Lions did a lot of that, where you have Derek Barnes walk down yeah. as the end man on the line of scrimmage, and it allowed them to do some funky stuff that was a little bit unpredictable where blitzes would come from, which we'll yeah. obviously hit on. So that's a huge question to me. If you look at the history, these teams played last year. Yeah. Against 21 personnel, the Chiefs played base about half the time. They were a bad team in base last yes, year. They were. I think they were trying to do everything they could to get linebackers off the field as often as possible. So now, because they feel a little bit better about that group, they're deeper, they're more yep. versatile. You have Bolton, Tranquil, Willie Gay, Chanel. Are you going to be able to just stick in those because you feel more comfortable? They're 14th in the league this year in EPA per play allowed on defense and base personnel. They were 22nd last year. I was going to say, year. 14th is huge. That's great. Yes. That is a huge improvement from where they've been in years past. I mean, we did this show, and I remember we, we did some matchup of the week or something like that. And it'd be like, yeah, you know, out of sub, the Chiefs are like 12th. And it was like, out of base, they're last. Yes. Okay, uh, the, the Chiefs are like 15th in this. It's really uh, out of base, they're, they're 31st. It's like, that, you, that was the thing. That's just how you attack them. So, um, no, I, I, that's funny that, too. It's like, like when you look at some of the previous matchups, too, I'll just kind of get to the next thing I'm looking at. And this is tied in some of the front stuff. I want, I want to talk about the base stuff a little, oh, yeah, more, yeah, yeah. a little bit more just because this is a consideration to me. Their teams have done this two ways. The Lions and the Packers yep. played base. Yep. That is what they did. They essentially said, we are going to make you throw the ball yep. because we're more afraid of you just running it down our throats consistently. There are other teams this year that have had some success against them. Cleveland, Baltimore, Cincinnati mm -hmm. that played big nickel against the 21. So I'm curious which where do they land? Yeah. Are they going to do the base stuff that we've seen recently from teams or are they going to play three safeties which has been the Chiefs nickel package right. for most of the second half of the season. Right, you know, so this is going to yep. be a theme for me. As we keep hitting on elements of this game, some of the things that have given the Niners problems over the course of the season are things the Chiefs naturally want to do. Yes. This is not outside of their character. Yeah. Doing the change game, the picture, change the front, use match with personnel that makes sense. It's exactly what they want to do. It, it all of it really falls in line, especially watching the Lions yep, two weeks was, ago and what the Lions were doing. And so, and obviously the Niners' offense yeah. found pads, yeah. but it was erratic. They had some down moments, and everything the Lions did that affected the Niners in a negative way, the Chiefs are set up to do. And they have better players. Yes. So I think that there's a lot of crossover between game plans and approaches that have worked and what the Chiefs are equipped to pull off. And, and you're just talking about the linebackers even compared to last year. It's that's You have Spags with two weeks. You have Kyle Shanahan with two weeks. You have Andy Reid with two weeks. A lot of guys known for their bye week uh, uh, positivity after the bye week, I should say. <laughs> uh, but when I look at that defense and the Chiefs defense, I just brought up Chanel as one example. He will use all, all four of those linebackers, really, all the defensive front, all the DBs, Reed bringing him up in the box, McDuffie uh, from the slot, anything like that. What is his answer? Because he's going to have some funky thing. Like, he's going to have some specific answer. Chanel, uh, I don't want to spell another thought on him, but I might as well right now. Where he lines up tells me what Spags thinks is his issue. Yeah. He, if it was the Dolphins, all right, we're going to put – Chanel at the end man line of scrimmage. Yep. All right, have the receiver try and crack him. Yeah, that, that wasn't fun, was it? All right, we're going against uh, the Packers. They want to pull guys. Okay, so here we go. Let's get Chanel right up on the line of scrimmage. He can change the angles. We have another body up there to funky it up and mess it up. So just like he's that classic player, even if he isn't the 
the ace of this defense. He is that chess piece that shows what exactly Spags wants to do, what his plan of attack is. So let's say they do trot out base personnel with three linebackers. Yep. That is their go-to approach against 21 personnel. Do you think they will be able to slow the Niners down if the Niners want to run the ball? I think they are going to try and make it boom-busty. That, that is my, my thought. Actually, this will just tie into to my kind of second point. It's perfect. So I think they're going to run a lot of cloud coverage, just okay. like the Ravens did, just like this Chiefs team did against the Dolphins in the wild card game where they ran cover two, cloud coverage being cover two or cover six. They ran cover two on 40% of their snaps. Last year when they played, or the last time Spags played Kyle Shanahan, they, which was last year, they ran cloud coverages almost half the time. Yeah. Uh, when they played, this is a thing for them. And why that matters is it cloud coverages makes Purdy just slight. He goes from supernova to very good. It's a half beat. It is a half beat of indecision. That matters. Uh, going from supernova to very good. That is the same difference where I always say terrible to not terrible. That's the same kind of thing. But also, weirdly enough, you naturally think you run the ball better against a too high look. The 49ers are outright bad running against cloud coverage. Really? Straight up. Straight up. I shocked me. I looked at that sample so, size. That is very surprising. So I, they have a 31.8 rushing success rate against cloud coverage this year. That is 20. Why do you think that is? 28. Because they want to attack outside. And those cor- if you have a good corner. Think like about Marlon Humphrey in that game it. against against that makes so much sense. And That's again, so interesting. Well, and it's not like these Chiefs DBs aren't physical and can't tackle. That's what they want to do. Yeah. And they've done it before. So That's I, a really good guess. I really think it's thought. almost going to be because Spags and Flores kind of have the same kind of thing. Brian Flores. It's the cover. It's. Everything or nothing. It's going to be cover two and blitzing. That's how I picture it because I think that, okay, we pinch from the outside, force you to funnel inside. Yeah, you might catch us once in a while or if we blitz and change the gap and everything, but we're going to limit those gains. Like we're going to make it, oh, pinch inside just like the Ravens did. They got caught a couple times, but they got them back another few times. So So do you think, okay, let's take it one step further. Yeah. This is a you know what I know what you know sort of thing. Right. Kyle Shanahan's very good at this. He is very if good. If we and think that there's going to be a lot of that, do you think we see more downhill in the box I runs do. from San Francisco as an answer to all that? I do. But then also you're taking away what is Shanahan. Shanahan always is going to want to bounce outside to get CMC out and then up. Yeah. So CMC is what he's, he's so fantastic at whatever you run, gap scheme, uh, in, through, in between the tackles, outside the tackles, screens, anything you want to run with him, he's good at. But it's just a little different for them. And especially with this offensive line we've talked about is kind of, you know, they can, they're better than what their individual pieces are. They have Trent Williams, but the other guys, well, if you're downhill, that's more man blocks. That's yeah. more one-on-ones. Do you want, you know, one of your guards or the center to one-on-one with Chris Jones for 20 times, 12 times? Not really. Chris Jones, postseason Chris Jones, not regular season Chris Jones against the run. But that's an advantage for the Chiefs, I think, if you want to go that. When you go side to side, you can be more finesse. You can use your speed. You can use the angles. But if we have a natural answer, we're taking you out of that first fastball you want to get it's to. It's such an important observation because if you think anecdotally about teams that have given the Chiefs run defense problems in the playoffs, what is the Bills run game? It's yep. all gap scheme yep. power yep. stuff. They have a lot of maulers up front. That's, that's how they built their offensive line. So I think a lot of people are going to say, well, well the Bills ran the ball on the Chiefs so efficiently, the Niners have a better running game. The differences stylistically in what those run games look like are important to think about. The people really, I've realized as the season finished up, people really misconstrued the Bills' offense, by the way. Totally. Like, oh, my God. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're that finesse zone run game. I'm like, no. They, it's a finesse pass game with the most at-you physical run game. That's why it was really fun to watch. But but it, it's right, again, it's another it's another thing that's right in the Spags and the Chiefs defense wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, Spags, I don't know why I just say Spags, like he is the model. That's what that yeah. means. Everyone knows. <laughs> but they, he runs, they run cover two at the fourth highest rate in the NFL this regular season. And like I said before, they did it before in these previous matchups. And it was something the Packers did in their divisional round. And it helped against the pass game because now you're getting 
doubles on Ayuk on the yeah. inside. You are making taking away some answers. I think what some of Shanahan's, you know, genius I will say is most traditionally is that you throw against single high, you run against two high. Shanahan goes, well, defenses know that, so why would I become predictable? So he does everything he can, and you've talked about this, is to throw against two high and run against single high. Like, he is fine doing that. So, they're very successful running into loaded boxes in a way that a lot of but, teams aren't. Exactly, and they have passing answers against cover two, so they prefer to pass. They throw the ball over 70% of the time when they get cloud coverage, which is backwards. Yeah. Usually it's the other way around. But it's kind of funny that it's almost his run game, which should be his strength, actually becomes the weakness when he played these particular softer coverages. And I think, I don't know, I just it's, a, it's an interesting quirk, and there's more to it, and it understands that I think other teams have leaned into it, but it also leads to uh, some advantages, I think, that the foreigners will get because of some of these looks, too. <laughs> you mentioned the, the cloud coverages and the split yep. safety coverages. I, I want to use that as a way to talk about the blitzes that we might yep. see from Kansas City because the number, that as I was digging into everything, that just jumped out to me that was, I thought was shocking. The Chiefs' defense, what they play behind their blitzes, okay? So this is from Next Gen Stats. Okay. When the Chiefs bring five, okay. a real blitz, they play split safety coverages 51% of the time, okay? No one else. That, that is the highest mark in a season yeah. since 2018. Yeah, no one's near that. The NFL average over since 2016 is 16%. Yep. So when a lot of people are going to look at what the Niners have done against the blitz this year, and they're going to say, why would you blitz them? Purdy was the most efficient quarterback in the NFL against the blitz. Well, if you're not playing man or single safety or single high safety coverages behind them, and you're actually playing sound defense behind the blitzes, the blitzes become a different sort of problem yep. for the quarterback. So I think we're going to see a ton of heat yep. because this team doesn't leverage itself when it brings pressure like any other team in the NFL does. They can play any host of coverages behind it. Yep. And like you mentioned, those cloud coverages and those Rolodex coverages that have given the Niners it's relative problems relative, this year. Yeah. The Chiefs are set up to do that in a way that really no one else is. And yep. when I was looking at the numbers yesterday, I was looking at how often teams play cover two behind a blitz. The teams at the top of that list okay, I'm trying to think okay, that. are Vikings. Detroit, okay. Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Minnesota. Who are the oh, yeah, defenses yep. that have given yeah, the yeah. Niners problems for at least stretches this year? Those are the four. Right. So when we keep talking about all of these ways that the Chiefs are set up to attack this Niners team, it's all completely in character oh, for this. It is. And don't get me wrong, guys. Like, the 49ers will find so answers. That, so that's, so, so I want to I figure this out because I, we need to take it to this place. Yeah. The Niners are the best offense in the league. Yes. The Niners always find answers. We have all these things that are set up that seem to be in favor of Kansas City as you look at the matchup on paper. What do you think those answers for the Niners are? They, well, you already said the at-you run game. I think that's number one. And they will find a run. But, I, again, I think it's not going to be like, oh, they had those 10, 10 play drives or eight of them are runs. I think it's going to be more like, oh, that's a zero-yard run. There's a 12-yard run. Boom, bust. But I think passing game-wise, I think we see a lot of <coughs> Debo Samuel and working over the middle. Naturally, cover two is going to cloud things on the outside. But I actually didn't even mean to use the coverage term, but just cloud it up on the outside. But Debo working over the middle. Debo working uh, against a slot player. When a team is in cloud coverages, that puts the apex player, Trent McDuffie in this case, that puts him in a bind. He has to play the run or he has to play the flat or play the hook, depending on if it's quarters or cover two on that side. So that puts him in a bind against the run, 
which the 49ers will And that's, only, that's if he's the apex center if they're in nickel. Right. If they're in base, it's then a completely it's, it's different set of issues. Rotate, uh, yeah, it's all, yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but then, but then but, okay, say McDuffie likes to toy around. He likes to mess with leverage, and he does a really good job of it. He'll peek his nose in to help out with the run. He wants to get physical. But the thing is, when you run these bubbles and flats, that's to control that apex player. That is to put him unblocked, but to make him wrong. The 49ers love doing this. They love going against teams and throwing these bubbles and flats and getting after them. So I think that is one way why you're going to see a lot of Debo underneath, quick pop, 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 pop. And the other thing is, when they face cloud coverages this year, uh, the 49ers target, or I should say, the share of targets and touches. There we go. Design rushes and touches. 67% of them go to CMC and Debo. Yep. It's those two. Yep. It's going to be deep. And that other thing is when you're in cover two, that puts somebody in the middle on an island. So it's CMC on a linebacker, Debo on a linebacker. So I think those two are going to have a lot of success over the middle, and I think the Chiefs are going to go like, we're going to let them have it, but we just got to tackle, which is another thing we'll talk about. <laughs> I, I want to see how the Niners create space yeah. in the game. If you, The Niners have the most condensed formations in the NFL. Yeah. It is a hallmark of the Kyle Shanahan offense that has endured as even as other elements of the offense have shifted and yeah. changed. But what happens when you run those condensed formations against a team that loves to blitz DBs is that they can send heat from any single angle. Yep. Let's think back to the Ravens game again. The double corner cats blitz that was an interception. That's from a condensed formation. The Kyle Shanahan or Kyle uh, Hamilton play where he it's the, the tipped ball interception where Kyle Shanahan or Kyle I keep doing that. Where <laughs> Kyle Hamilton comes unblocked. That's a condensed formation. So if you want to give them fewer blitzing opportunities, you get out of those condensed formations. If you look back at some of the success that the Niners had against Baltimore, mm. it was when they were spreading things out. Let's get wide, let's put a ton of air in the defense, motioning, that bumper motion they use with McCaffrey to get to empty. They did a lot of that, mm -hmm. and that allows you to do high lows over the middle of the field. Yes. It allows you to isolate defenders in, the in space. Too. And that is, even if the Chiefs linebackers are better than other teams they played against, there's still going to be one of those guys yeah. that you put the Shannon scope on. Yes. Is it Chanel if he's off the line of scrimmage? Is it Willie Gay in some of these moments? Is it Tranquil? Mm -hmm. Like That is still the best matchup for them to consistently attack in the passing game, yep. and I think the best way to get to the ideal version of that matchup if you're San Francisco is by getting a little bit more spread out and creating as much space as you possibly can. And like you said, you put those guys on islands, and when you have even though the Chiefs defense is talented, again, the 49ers have the Avengers at the school of guys. It's like they're going to have a matchup advantage somewhere. Yes. Um, they will find an yes. avenue. They and will find a path. This is exactly what I, I was thinking of, too, is like the Shannon scope is going to be on Chanel. It's yeah. like Chanel, I would just talk about being very important. He has limitations. This is why he probably never <laughs> truly reached the, uh, the top tier player. But because of that unique skill set, if he can get manipulated and how I'm curious how Shanahan motions a guy shifts a guy to get him in space that's what all that's doing is to manipulate how the defense shifts to get someone on an island that you want on particular on an island the oh, last sorry. thing I wanted to hit on the, the pressures is that the Niners oh, are an empty thank protection you. Thank you. all the time if you look at the numbers, 80% of their dropbacks this season came with five pass blockers, mm -hmm. which is up near the top of the league. And think about it. Of course it is. Yeah. Well, you don't want Christian McCaffrey blocking. Yeah. The entire point of having him is to get him out. Yeah. And Spags does such a good job of manipulating protection rules. If you know you're getting empty protection all of the time, yes. there are ways that you can manipulate it. Yeah. So I think even if there is a danger of giving pretty easy answers and avoiding zones, if you speed him up often enough, that's where some of the erratic play can come in. Yep. Even if they're going to find enough answers, that's where you can get your maybe one or two turnovers 
that can sway the entire game in the way that's that it. it goes. Very similar to the formula that Baltimore followed. Well, yeah, for Baltimore, you know, Detroit last week, even Packers week before uh, in divisional round. It's that the changing pictures, I love the zone stuff, the zone blitz stuff, because again, the quarterback has to find the answer. If it's man blitz, then it's just like, I'm picking this guy, he's going to go win it for me. I'm good right there. I think the other thing, too, is that with those uh, uh, the Packers, what I thought, when they played this Chiefs defense, it's kind of nice. I got to watch a lot of Packers offense, which is fun. But when they played, they played this Chiefs defense, they used so many orbit motions. Yeah. So much stuff. And that is tied into what Displacing I was talking about. the linebackers. That, that is one of the best things teams did Just against the Chiefs this year. Make them communicate yep. over and over and over. If you are going to be this aggressive, there is going to be a time. And I just said, yes, the run game might be boom busty. McCaffrey is going to pop a couple, which I'll probably talk about longest rush for some of our props later. But he's going to pop one or two because that's it's just natural. The Ravens game, where we're like, oh, the Ravens did a lot. He popped a couple because that's just how it goes. That's When you want to play like this, that is natural, and they have answers against it. The other thing, too, I want to bring up, and this is another prop-tied uh, factoid here, but no one runs two man more than the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Pretty running. Pretty scrambling. He's going to need to make some plays. Moving picture, legs. moving picture. Yeah. He might just say, screw this, I'm running. And I think that's going to be very important. It was huge a couple of weeks ago, but that is going to be such an important thing, and it's also tied to props, like I said. But that is going to be something where Perry's going to have to make a couple. It's just going to happen. The scrambling, and another stat that I came across, and I was like, yeah, that anecdotally seems right. Number one in the NFL this year in success rate on extended dropbacks, Brock Purdy. Oh, okay. I mean, think about all the plays he's yeah. made off schedule, even yeah. going last week against Detroit. Like, yeah. That has been a weapon for them. So him being a scrambler, him being able to extend, I think that can be a positive yeah. for the Niners. But also, if you send him into that mode, it can get a little bit frantic. It. So it, it depends on when you're riding the Purdy coaster yes. on Sunday. That's been part of the, the funniest part about the Brock Purdy discourse is that everyone thinks that he's like Kirk Cousins. And in reality, his game is so much more chaotic than it's, that. It's pint-sized early Josh Allen. <laughs> Yes, That's yes. what it is. It's Josh, he thinks he's Josh Allen, but he's not built like Josh Allen. That's kind of what it, what it is. I know. I know that's a, the cerebral assassin from the pocket, the Drew Brees comparison. It's like, wait, we can talk about his qualities. We don't have to compare him to Drew Brees, guys, because <laughs> it's not like that. So, well, the last party stat oh, I wanted yeah. to throw out, success rate against zone in the playoffs this year, according to Next Gen, 39.7% compared to 55% in the regular season. So these inconsistencies, they've yeah. had big plays. Yeah, yeah. They've gotten chunk plays and explosives in the playoffs. But down in and down out, if you're throwing a Rolodex of coverages at them and you're making them earn it, what your eyes have told you about it being a little bit harder, that is borne out in yep, the numbers. That is. No, and especially and everybody hones in on the playoffs. You narrow what works exactly and you right. change. And again, I want to emphasize this for the 40th time. These teams have a bye week. That is the most – we talk about that in the regular season. That's what – and these are coaches that have shown they do stuff off a of bye. So that's what's going to be so interesting on these opening scripts on both sides. I know we're just talking about one. But just see, like, I think you're going to do this. You think I'm going to do this. Okay, who kind of blinks? Who adjusts? Who, what works and what doesn't work? So that's what's going to be interesting because we know this. We see this. But now what do they think is the weakness or the strength? A couple matchups that I think are worth pointing out. Chris Jones against John Feliciano is a massive advantage for the Chiefs. That is something that if the Chiefs consistently try to pick at that, we've seen the interior of that Niners line struggle yep. over the course of the playoffs. Kenny Clark had a big game. The Lions defensive line had a really nice game collectively. Chris Jones against Feliciano specifically, yep. which is where he lines up all the time, that is something that I think is decidedly in the Chiefs' favor on that side of the ball. The other one that I'm curious about, I'm wondering who Sneed follows. Yeah. Because That's he has been, I mean. he's put the clamps on people this year. The clamps. 
So I'm wondering, th- this is an interesting thing you learn about how the Chiefs see the Niners. We have two all pro, my all-pro corners in this game, Snead Moore. Y- yes. So like, there's, there's legit corners in this game. <laughs> and so what do they do? And it, I think stylistically, when you look at the receivers he's tended to follow in the past, it would be Ayuk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You outside the he's numbers, the true, outside true number one yeah. X receiver. Yeah. But I, I think that there is such a kind of established understanding that this is going to be a Debo game. Yeah. Do they want him to be on Debo? But that doesn't really make sense. No, it doesn't. Right? So I just don't know how that, that ends up shaking out. Around. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, that's going to be interesting. I think it is going to be more Ayuk when they do do man looks. So that's, I, yeah, that, and that's going to be, he gets physical with them. That's another thing with their cover two looks. And what, going back to the Dolphins game in the regular season, they press the they man, shit They manhandle people. And that, it disrupts timing. And it this does. offense is it's so dependent on how yep. it all cl- Clicking through those options on time is so important. No, and yes. if you're going to, I mean, Snead, I think, had the, second or third highest uh, press coverage rate in the NFL this year among all corners. And this is not a man team. And so you combine the physicality of that press man look with the soundness of the zone defenses that they play, and it's a hard thing to deal with. It really is. And those cover two looks tie into the corner blitzes. They work better against condensed splits they can. It's like, yeah, again, it naturally goes to it. I I had the Chris Jones one as well. I said George Karloffis and Chris Jones Mm -hmm. against the right-hand side of the 49ers. That that is fair. (laughs) I will expand upon it because they're two-man game and then also Colt McKivitz and all that's just yeah I think they have the advantage there Shanahan will also know they have the advantage show but also does that mean George Kittle stays in for chip help does that narrow his role um so that's another thing does CMC have to start chip helping because you know before he gets out that might limit his receiving ability is it more empty because they want to get the ball out quick but then that takes away the run threat so that that really matters because then that's can, can make or break their game I would say, we already hinted at this, but any of the Chiefs linebackers against CMC and Kittle. And Kittle because if you look back at the 2022 game, yeah. they Kittle was a huge part of that yes. game plan. They were isolating Kittle, and it was funny because those five-man fronts that we were talking about, the Chiefs didn't have that in their bag last year. It was all stack 4-3 looks. Yeah. And when you had you knew exactly who was going to be on Kittle by formation, they were just picking on whoever that linebacker was consistently. So I assume they'll try to go back to that well yeah. at least a few times. Yeah, I think Kittle's going to have at least one big play. And again, I'll get that in the props. And I, I had Ayuk and Lejarius Sneed as one. And I just said, finally, Kyle Shanahan, Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's the matchup. It's going to be phenomenal. One injury for the Chiefs on defense, really their only injury they dealt with over the last couple of weeks, losing Charles Amenahu, Yes, that becomes a consideration for me against the run. Because him as a 280-pound long defensive end, putting Mike Dana in there at 255, who doesn't have nearly as long a levers, what is that potentially going to do against perimeter runs? And do you feel more compelled to be in those five-down looks because you don't have the length on the outside with the men who out now? I know. That's a great point. I think think that's where it naturally gets to the five-down looks because living in a 4-3 with like a 250 – you know, guy over there is not really not a lot of fun. That's you, not what you, you want to do. You don't want to no. look like that. And that's why I assume we're going to see a lot of those five-down looks, which we have seen just in the last two weeks. A bunch. And yeah. it gets this type of offense, too. But yeah, look for number 54. Look for where Chanel is. <laughs> it's going to really tell you where they think their weakness is. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get to the other side. Biggest question that you have about the Niners defense going against this Chiefs offense. Wow. Uh, really, it's a movable force against a stoppable object, and that's, uh, the, uh, that's the Chiefs run game versus the 49ers run defense. That's where this, I think this game, we know what Mahomes is. We know Mahomes can nickel and dime, and I don't want to like, we're going to talk about it, but I don't want to belabor it. It's going to come down to how they get these yards on the ground. The Chiefs run game has gotten better in the playoffs. They have found some answers. But they can just look at the last couple of weeks, and we've talked about this and what they can lean into. Hey, Packers film, that was great. Hey, Lions film, that was great. Well, let's just do that. Uh, it helps to have, you know, Penny Sewell and you know, maybe even David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. That does help. Um, but I think it's going to be plenty to the outside. Uh, there's going to be a ton of pin pull, a ton of pitches. The 49ers defense has allowed 5.7 yards per play on pitches and pin pull plays. 5.7. And the Chiefs offense will run – Anything in the run game, Andy Heck will adjust and do. And, again, they have two weeks. They have film to watch. They so. haven't done a ton of pin pull this year, but and it is not. in their bag. They've done they, it before. They did it last year when they played against Bunch. them. It was Kelsey coming down and, run, and running that little crack block. Yep. But that they have done it in the past. they do a little short motion yep. with him. Yep. It, it, yeah, they do because Kelsey's a receiver technically. <laughs> so they <laughs> use a mic true. That, that is true. <laughs> in, that, in that moment, Kelsey and Josh Reynolds are no different. They're the same player. Yeah. 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 Or uh, I watched the Dolphins use Braxton Barrios and Travis Kelsey. Uh, or not Braxton Barrios. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Braxton Barrios. Yeah, because Dolphins now, same way. But and we've talked about this. But this is to take advantage of the defensive ends for the 49ers. They pin their, it's their philosophy. Pin our ears back, go. So now you can pin them and just kind of use their aggression against them. This is the element of the matchup that I think is most important from the 2022 game. Yeah. When you look at the plan they had for Bosa, that is what teams have kept doing. It's what teams have done throughout this playoffs. Either pin pull or what the Chiefs did last year. It was just jet sweeps. Jet sweeps over it, and over, Not right? even, your, it's the same idea. Did they like slice at him too a bunch of times? Yes. yes. They yeah. would yep. slice back across. Yep. They would guys be going to the flat. The classics. The, the entire is, yeah. game plan was designed to make him uncomfortable and not know where he was going to get shipped, who was going to cut him, yeah. where guys are going to be flying at him. And I honestly think that that idea of as long as we neutralize him, we can win this game is even more true now yep. than it was last year. Yep. Because I think even with Chase Young, even with Javon Hargrave, even with Eric Armstead back healthy, I still think that this group overall is not as scary as it was even in the middle of last season. You go back, I think Simpson, the, Abbey, the I mean, NFC Championship game, both had seven pressures. The other guys combined had seven pressures. He has distanced himself from the rest of that front. So I think if you can neutralize him, yep. that is a way where you can really start getting on this Niners defense right now. That's why you want. That's why they traded for Chase Young was to ease this. So you can't focus all this attention. But and, uh, we'll talk about Chase Young in a sec. But he has to step up because that he needs it. And the other thing too is in this run game, I, I could see a lot of the misdirection. This ties into Bosa a little bit, but also with the linebackers. Uh, Fred Warner is fantastic, one of the smartest players in football. 
use his awareness against him. Yeah. So look for a lot of hard steps with Pacheco to get the, him leaning one way to go the other way, whether that's a pitch play or a windback type of play. But you got to use him against him. That's why you can't really run at Fred Warner. It's like the opposite with the Chiefs. It's because he's going he's gonna to bury it up. He's going to, okay, okay, oh, got it, got it. You have to get him moving in a different way. He'll catch you sometimes, but you got to catch him the other way. So I, I think that's why this run game is just going to be so interesting because just because of that, because they this 49ers defense is built to pass rush first. Yeah. So if you can just get him out of their element, look what happened with the Eagles last, last year in the Super Bowl. They're kind of the same thing. They're a 70-sack team. Run defense was iffy, and sure enough, they, didn't want, they don't want to play that way. They want to pin their ears back and go. So if you just keep them out of their element, this is huge. I wonder, my biggest question is what sort of new kind of funky stuff do we see from the Niners? Mm. Because I think if you're going to come out and you're going to say, this is how we are, this is what we do. It's a four-man front. We're going to play a yeah. smattering of zone coverages behind it, and that's who we are. I think they're going to get diced up. Yeah. I think if you look at what the – Mahomes-led offense has been recently. If you're going to give him the answers to the test before it even starts, you're going to be in for a long day. Barnwelder, in his wonderful Super Bowl preview that he wrote this morning, the Niners had the third lowest rate of disguised coverages in the NFL, according to an ESPN metric. The Jets were right above them, right? So similar kind of deal. And that's how these offenses operate. If you're going to do that to Mahomes, I think you're in serious trouble. I was talking, we talked about the maturation of Mahomes mentally. I was talking to somebody on their staff this week, and we were just discussing where Mahomes is now compared to where he would have been even two, three years ago. And the comparison and the analogy that he used, I absolutely loved. He said, there was a study in the 40s, and they looked at chess masters. And they said, if, they, if you put a chess master down in front of a board that was a typical set of chess moves, like it had gotten to a place naturally that you would get in a chess game, and you had them look at it for two minutes, they could instantly recreate it. If you had them look at a random a board with a random collection of pieces and you had them try to recreate it, they were no better than any random person that you would have try to do it. Mahomes has gotten to that level mentally. Yeah. If you do things to him that actually make sense and are actually part of a cohesive plan, yeah. they're natural extensions of what you want to be, he's able to read out the game that yeah. way. So you have to do things to him that are completely unconventional. You have to void zones that you wouldn't otherwise. You have to bring pressures that you wouldn't otherwise. And the reason I think that this is possible for San Francisco is we've seen them be in this tinkering phase before this season. If you look at what they were previous to their bye, it was very static against Cincinnati. The Bengals did exactly what I would assume the Chiefs would do if they want to be in those four down, these are our zone coverages sorts of looks. Getting the ball out quickly, uh, orbit motion, swings. They went into the bye after losing those couple games, after struggling against the Bengals, after struggling against the Vikings and the Browns. And when they played Jacksonville, it was a bunch of weird shit. They came out in five-man fronts. They came out in pressure looks on second and eights because they understood if we keep doing the same stuff over and over again, people are going to beat the shit out of us. And so I wonder if with these two weeks, they've kind of had one of those come-to-Jesus conversations and said, if we do the same old stuff, he's just going to absolutely torch us. It's such a great point because after that bye week, and that's after they trade for Chase Young, they came out against the Jags that first third down, I think, and it was, oh, yeah, Chase Young Nick Bosa lined up over the center, yeah. and, and the defensive tackles kicked out. I was like, oh, here we go. Look at what these guys are doing now. And you haven't seen much of that recently. I think I've seen it one or two times anecdotally just watching them, and that's the thing. I thought that was going to be a, like their third down package. That's going to be their fastball and everything. 
That's it. You have to be unpredictable. It's the only way against a top-tier quarterback that can win from structure, win within the pocket, you have to change the picture. You have to. Whether a guy botches it or a guy's late or anything, it makes something funky, makes it hard. I just uh, had a play for C.J. Stroud. We didn't go over and wanted the clock look for it, though, on YouTube, the other plays <laughs> that we talked about. But on that one, I was talking with him about it, and it was against the Bengals. Weird that we just talked about that defense. But it was a third and 14, or a third and long. Guy runs from the line of scrimmage, and I was like, how'd you end up on the backside? He goes, to tell you the truth, it's because they fooled me. Yeah. And then I worked to it, I figured it out, but it was like it took me a second. It's like, that's it. Yeah. Stroud is so sharp. But that's, that's the thing. You want to cause that one second of hesitation because especially, and then this is where the pass rush comes to their own, Chase Young has to take advantage of that. All these other guys, Hargrave, Armstead, all these guys have to take advantage when they have that. But that, it's just so thing, just that one second of hesitation. But the thing is, Mahomes doesn't really hesitate. He's pretty good at diagnosing. You, ha you have to do something different. You have to. And, and the, the Niners have shown some of that. In the NFC Championship game specifically, Chase Young dropped on five plays in the NFC Championship game. Combined, he had done that three times okay. since oh, arriving yeah. in San Francisco before that game. So I think they clearly understand they have to do something. something Whatever that unconventional twist is that they go to, yeah. I don't know the answer. I, don't I have no idea what it's going to be, but I think if they don't have one, it's going to be a, a rough, rough day. You brought up a great point. Yeah, just that Bengals game. Uh, you, you just brought it up was all those bubbles, those flats. This is why I think it's going to be a big Rasheed Rice game, yeah. at least early on. Get that in a second as well. Uh, but all those bubbles and flats, that was just the Bengals' whole plan. It was run it. Oh, okay, we'll just throw out the Jamar Chase that was in the slot or, or whoever else that we were going to get going. And I think that's just a natural way because, like you said, zone, that is the natural answer to help out your run game and to just tie everything in together. So the Chiefs do this. The Chiefs are willing to do this. They love using Rasheed Rice on this. So I think you look for a lot of those and maybe some Kelsey just peppered underneath early as well. I was looking at numbers today because I was wondering what sort of workload Rasheed Rice was getting against zone coverages. This season, among wide receivers, Rasheed Rice had the 11th highest targets per route run rate among all wide receivers in the league against zone coverage. The two guys he was right behind were Justin Jefferson yeah. and CeeDee Lamb. Oh, yeah. It was like right in that same range. <laughs> so when teams run zone coverage against the, against the Chiefs, he is their answer. Him and Kelsey are the only guys that are getting targets. It's very similar to the Niners' answers with Diva. Yeah. It's like when you guys are doing That's this, it. we're going to get the ball into our oh, yak guys' hands. I was writing my notes and I just repeated myself. I, I basically just copy and paste because it's the same answer. It's, and the, it's and, the same thought and, process. And they have the same guy, uh, dynamic player to take advantage of that. That's why you want it because usually those get blocked up for three, four yards. You want these dudes to take that to a first down or, or more, a yeah. touchdown. So that's why these, those, those two are so important. We talked about what the Chiefs will do in terms of personnel, in terms of heavy bodies against the 21 personnel for the Niners. I wonder what it's going to look like on the other side of the ball. We, you were very early on this, is the Chiefs' use of 13 personnel <laughs> and how often they were doing it. They have almost tripled their 13 personnel usage in the playoffs compared to the regular season. Yeah. It was about 7% in the regular season. It's been 19% in the playoffs. And then you combine that with their 12 personnel, which is essentially their normal yep. offense. Yep. And we're getting to like more, almost 50% of plays with multiple tight ends on the field. Yep. Why that matters against the Niners specifically the Niners have matched 12 personnel with base defense on 85% of their plays this year, right. which is the highest rate in the league. So they're definitely going to match it with yeah. 13 personnel. So if you can get those three linebackers on the field, we've talked about how they're worse at defending the run out of those looks. And not even trying to make fun of him, but the reason for this centrally is that Oren Burks is, is not yeah, an answer. Is not. And so if you can make sure by the guys you're trotting out, you're putting him on the field consistently, you could take advantage of them in the run game, yep. and you can figure out ways to pick at him in the passing That's game. That's what's huge, is they, they get into 13 to, to throw it. 
because you could put the bigger bodies on. Okay, now we got Kelsey with the linebackers on the field. We got all these other guys. And we just, this is a side effect. And you, we talked about that, the dividends paid with the receivers and having a, when these guys, you know, run out there, we'll give them targets, give them snaps. Less of those guys are on the field. When you're at 13 personnel, only one wide receiver is on the field. <laughs> the only receiver that matters at this point. Yeah. So if you just put Rasheed Rice out there, you're like, okay, we're good. Or, you know, somebody else. But now we don't have to worry about too many Tony snaps or anything. But I think that last year in the in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs tried out 13 personnel. And the Eagles got, yeah, we're going to match with Nickel. And the Chiefs went, okay. And they pounded the freaking rock on that. I, I know, but I still think the Niners should do that. Match with nickel? No, yes. they absolutely should. I think they should in, against twelve personnel. They should match with nickel. I, I think a they're run. better at defending the run. I, There's no downside to putting an extra corner out there. I, that's why I even just said it was like, are you going to dare Patrick Mahomes to beat you or Isaiah Pacheco on a weak offensive line to beat you or average offensive line to beat you? And it's like, yeah, I know, I'm going to bet. And on. these are the tweaks that we're talking about. Yeah. Even though it's completely against type and completely against what they've done, I think that they should consider doing absolutely. it absolutely because I think that that's your best the, answer against. And you this get team. Lenore back in the slot because when they're in base, he's on the outside. And, and Amber. Thomas is yes. the guy you'd be worried about in that situation. That's not how the Chiefs are built. Nope. You're not worried about an outside receiver nope. beating you outside the it's numbers a, in the same way some of the other teams tight have. End. It's a de facto receiver that's a tight end that's kind of funky and in a slot kind of underneath guy, but yes. it's not a vertical X. That's what you're worried about on those types of The matches. guy that you are most, I think, leaving yourself vulnerable to, if you're in nickel with Ambry Thomas outside, is MVS. Yeah. If MVS beats you in this game, whatever. Cool. Whatever. Like, congratulations. <laughs> Here's the Lombardi Trophy. Like, you guys deserve it. There, uh, not a ball, or not a ball, sources say, not a ball hit the ground in practice for the Chiefs yesterday, except for one, and it was a drop by MVS. So that just, <laughs> every single throw was completed in the wind, in the, like, bucky weather in practice. <laughs> I think that as good as the Chiefs' offense has been recently and as dangerous as they've been, one area that I think is important to bring up as we talk about how slim the margins are going to be in this game is red zone. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs were 54% red zone touchdown percentage this year. That was below average, and they've struggled in the red zone even in the playoffs as they've been rolling elsewhere. Yep. The Niners scored a touchdown on 68.5% of their red zone possessions sure this year. That. That's the highest mark in yep. the NFL and like a top 25 mark in the last 10 years. So that could be a huge part of this game. Even yes. if the Chiefs are moving the ball consistently, and even if this dink and dunk stuff works, six, if you three. can't come away with touchdowns, yep. that's going to be a problem because I know that we spent so much time in the other section talking about how the Chiefs' defense is set up well against the Niners. They're going to score points. Yeah. They are going to yeah. get to 25 yeah. probably, even if your defense is good. So scoring touchdowns here is hugely important. The point total 21. Almost, Let's say 21. Yeah, but the point total is almost 50 for a reason. Yes. It's not like a 38-point yes. total, so that, that's why. But it, it matters, too, is that we talked about the nickel-diming and everything and not making mistakes, getting all the points, is the, the 49ers have the lowest explosive pass rate allowed in the entire NFL, tied with the Browns, I should say. But they want you to nickel them. This is the Fred Warner experience. Okay, they're going to rally and make you go four yards, five yards. That's why a Rice or somebody else has to break a tackle and create a 10 because they're going to make it hard. If you are going to throw it and we are going to lift through Mahomes, which I totally understand if you're going to, well, okay, we got to get all the yards we can. We can't let those chances only turn to two or three yards. So I think what you're saying with the red zone stuff is just those slim margins. It's those, if it's, it's their five yards, I know Fred Warner's going to tackle you, get all five. You, that can't be three. We can't get into third and long, and it has to go into Mahomes' scramble row because that just leads to the up and downness. So I think that's what, it's uh, that's where the strength on strength is to me. Mahomes is comfortable nickel and diming. The four ers are comfortable let you nickel and dime because they're going to squeeze and be that anaconda style. I mean, his patience, especially when you go back and the, watch the early couple drives of that Ravens game, I think it's going to have a very similar feel exactly. of what what the early parts of this game are going to look like. Wholeheartedly agree. 
Any matchup on that side of the ball that you have circled that you have your eye on? Mahomes versus Fred Warner. Classic <laughs> quarterback versus the mic. Are you kidding me? I watch these two look at their eyes. I, I thank God. It I, is good. I, mean, I feel embarrassed that I didn't I, have that one. I, I was, even when I was writing my article, I was just like, I don't think I mentioned Patrick Mahomes yet. Yeah. And I go, like, okay, let's, we got to throw yeah. him in there, right? Yeah, I was writing about all this other stuff. The best player I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. Thank God I used Twitter like a Rolodex for my film because I was like searching through and I was like, Warner Mahomes. And it came from last time Super yeah. Bowl. There were some freaking awesome plays between those two, and one of them was like an RPO where it was like it was the I know I you know I know you know I know. It was they were looking each other in the eye. Mahomes pulls to throw the RPO, and you could just tell they're like, like Warner's <laughs> like you really gonna throw it? And he's like he throws it, he gets it. They had a couple of those plays. So first and foremost, I can't wait to watch those two go at it. One that I think is decidedly in the Niners' favor, and I honestly think it'd be a huge pivot point in this game is Javon Hargrave against Nick Allegretti. Yeah. Hey, Joe Tooney not playing in this game. We talked Huge. about how the rest of that Niners defensive front has not been the dominant force we expect. Yeah. Hargrave had his moments, especially in that uh, Packers game. I think there was a red zone drive where he had two straight pressures. Yep. He torpedoed a drive. We know that he's capable of that. I think he has to have a huge game yes. because if they're consistently getting interior pressure along with whatever Bosa can give you, I think that's going to be – what helps dictate that side of the ball. Absolutely. That was so, the other one tied in there. It's just, yeah, Chiefs offensive line versus 49ers defensive line. Yeah. It's, just, it's just how they're going to block them up because I even with – we're just saying, oh, yeah, it's been kind of a Bosa and the Bosa. That's a little bit – it's like it's still a good pass rush. It's, like, a, it's, a, it's lot a good of unit. It's just not as overwhelming, overwhelming. as it has and been we over thought the last it was couple like, years. Especially yes. the guys they had. Even Randy Gregory coming in. It's like, okay, they're getting something out of that. It's just more like, oh, it's good. But it's not the one where it's like – Last year, the 49ers made the Super Bowl. That pass rush, and it was just, holy crap. It it, just it, got, they they got, got there because of that. Yeah. That, that's, that is they the group that, that carried them there. Yep. And I think be, one of the reasons you can be a little bit more static in the coverages and what you're playing is if the ball has to come out super, super quick, you can play that way. If it's an extra half beat because you're not disrupting the quarterback and collapsing the pocket as often, that's a huge concern. And if you're in zone, it's one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. You're going to have a bad time. Zone spaces open up, and there's Mahomes. Uh, okay, and then he finds that little zone to Kelsey or so, somebody else. So, yeah, got to get home. It's the Super Bowl. If we did not talk about prop bets, I feel like we would not be doing our due, due diligence here. We're going to talk about some pop bets here presented by BetMGM. I'm going to let you do this because oh, it, la I don't think about the game this way. So, like, it's, I'm like – I'm cosplaying as someone that I am not if I'm, like, giving you five prop bets. This is how your brain actually oh works. God. So let's run through a couple of your uh, favorites here. A couple? All right. Well, how many do you have? Oh, my lot. God. I'm well, I got to narrow it down. You, but you, you, you can't. Yes. You have to narrow this list down. I'm looking at it right now on lot, your computer. I do have a lot of Purdy Pop props. Uh, <laughs> Purdy Pop, 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 Pop. Uh, but Purdy props is because Purdy, I think, again, all that nickel and diamond, all the bubbles, the flats, yeah. the screens, pressure, cover two. They like to throw the ball 70% or, or drop back 70% of the time against two high looks. So, yeah, I think there's going to be just a lot of that nickel and diming. Maybe if they don't keep up, okay, are they going to be playing for behind? So I have Purdy over 32, uh, 31 and a half pass attempts. I think it's minus 105 on that MGM. I have Purdy over 21 and a half completed passes. It was, if you bump it up to 22, it's plus 105. I would take that. I also have Purdy over three and a half rush attempts. I think that's a good one. That, what is that, that at? That is at uh, plus 110. I like that one. That was one yeah. of my favorite ones. I like that one a lot. Because of just the scramble stuff I talk. Even if he takes a knee, that's a rush attempt yeah. they throw in there at half or at the end of the game. Also, downside of all this, pretty throw an interception. <laughs> over one and a half, or over a half interception. It's at minus 120. If you're feeling a little spicy and you think the Chiefs might 
you know, take one to the house. It's plus 600 for the Chiefs defense or special teams. Ooh, that's a fun one. That's Just, a fun you know, one. Just punish them. They're backed up. Um, getting to the other side, most, probably my favorite bet of all of this is Rasheed Rice over 32.5 receiving yards in the first half. I think that opening script's going to be him getting peppered a lot. We saw it. We saw, we've already, we saw it last week. The last, time these two, the last time the Chiefs played, we saw that exact approach against a defense that has some similarities in terms yep. of the amount of zone coverage they're That's going it. to play. And getting to also another receiver that we just talked about, a bunch of Debo Samuel props. So if you over over his receptions, wherever you can find it, I've seen four and a half, I've seen five and a half, different juices. But BetMGM, I believe it was four and a half at minus 40 because I'm a company man, so I'll use that one. But a lot of Debo Samuel over receptions, over receiving yards. Maybe if you want to look at his rushing stuff, I believe it's at over two and a half rushing attempts, but it's at minus 190. So, yeah, because yeah. I think I would, everybody's I would go over four and a half catches. Everybody's I think on is, the same way. Yeah, I think over four and a half catches is good. And, and I'll just give like one little last one, uh, Kittle stuff. So Kittle score a touchdown. Uh, Kittle over 20 and a half uh, yards longest reception. I think he might, he might finish with a day where it's like three catches for 70 yards, you know, like just a bunch of chunks. Yeah. Uh, that's how I kind of picture his day maybe in the end zone. And I think Kelsey, every Kelsey over. Two touchdowns or more. It's at plus 500, I believe it is. Um, two touchdowns or more for Kelsey. Over receptions for Kelsey. Over receiving yards for Kelsey. Uh, Rasheed Rice, anytime touchdowns, plus 125. I like that. Kittle, anytime touchdowns, plus 175. I like that. And I think that will be it for now. Oh, under CMC rushing. It's at 90 and a half, but over CMC receiving, which is at 33 and, and, and a half. And based on everything that we've talked about, about just tendencies and everything else, my head cannon. This sense. is where my head cannon yeah. is at for all this. So, yeah, if, if you, I got a whole bunch more if you want to tweet at me, all that stuff. But otherwise, Chiefs call first time out. I, well, we're on, a similar, <laughs> we're, we're on a similar wavelength. Yeah. I, I just think that the Rice and, and Samuel things, even if everyone's on it, it makes sense. Like the, the, the style of game I think that we're going to see, I totally understand why that, that's a popular way to go yep. right now. All right. Who you got? Who I got? I think this is going to be a barn burner. I'm so fired up. I think it's going to be Chiefs 27, 49ers 24. And I, I even, even have a little bit of a kind of like path. Actually, it's going to be similar to how last year it was a little bit. Just both offenses just rip-roaring to start. little low in the middle, maybe a turnover in the middle. And then late in the game, you have that long Chiefs drive, maybe to kick a field goal or score a touchdown to kind of score at the end. But that's how I'm picturing the game. Is it 27-24? Yeah. I'm going to go 31-24 Chiefs. I think that as I think about what Spags can do to Purdy specifically, and we talked about this, all the things that the Lions have done, some of the things that other defenses have done that have given the Niners problems, it's, it's just that slight tick of inconsistency where there's like a drive here, there's a drive there, you send him into chaos mode three, four more times than he has been against yep. more static looks. I think that's what's going to happen. I just think that they can put him in that space, and I think that the Chiefs' offense is going to be able to move the ball consistently. I really do. I do, too. I, I just think if they don't do something really off, out of character, yep. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine, and I don't know if they're going to be willing to go to that level, that extreme. I just and, don't. And the 49ers' defensive line would be like, oh, yeah, if they thought if they were playing to their ability as far as they, – again, they're going to create some pressures, but if they were playing that elite unit that maybe I thought they were going to be, then I'd be like, yeah, they have yeah. way more answers on this. But – those woes in the run game are very real, even if the Chiefs don't have natural answers. But it's like that is something that teams can take advantage of. So it's something you got to keep an eye on. And Spags is Spags. It's two weeks of Spags. I <laughs> just didn't think, I didn't think I'd be here. You know, right. I, at any point during this season, I was a huge believer in this Niners team. I'm still a believer in this Niners team. I think that they are excellent. I think that the offense is every bit, every bit as good as we thought it was. I think this is a bad matchup for them. I think that the things that Chiefs do well and the way the Chiefs want to play, the identity of this Chiefs defense, 
defense, the fabric of who they are, aligns poorly with who the Niners are. Yeah. I've, I've said it 10 times over the last 90 minutes, but as I thought more about the game and just every layer of it on both sides of the ball, I just kept coming back to that idea, and I'm not going to go away from it right. now. I know. It was my first thought, did all the studying, ended up being my last thought. Still excited, still fired up because I'm telling you, the first couple quarters are going to be fun. It's going to be an it. awesome game. You have game. two of the best opening script offensive minds ever going against each other in a Super Bowl. It's going to be, you're going to see some really cool stuff. I cannot wait. All right. It's all right. That's all we got. Make sure to check out everything we have coming on your guys' way on our athletic football show YouTube channel. Nate, as he alluded to earlier, did a wind the clock with the one, the only CJ Stroud earlier today. We're going to have a few more of those. freaking awesome. I am too. very, very excited for you guys to check yeah. that out. You know, I, I respect the work that everyone does here on Radio Row, but I think that giving guys something to chew on, something to explain, really putting them in their element, hopefully we're going to be able to give you guys something that's a little bit different than a lot of the stuff that you're going to be see coming your way, coming across your social feeds here over the next week or so. So Football GM coming your way on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that. And you and I will be podcasting live from Allegiant Stadium Ooh. after the Super Bowl ends, breaking down all things Super Bowl 58. With security this time. Yes. <laughs> I uh, did it. I got through the show it. in my hot dog suit. Hot. We, have, we have pulled this off, and uh, that should uh, put a bow on our week a little bit. Our podcast is called Hot Dogging and Grandstanding. Here we are. <laughs> I got that hot dog in me. All right. I'll see you guys later. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.